Hello, people. Back at it again today with the podcast D-Pod, a little different from our first episode's title, Product Defenestration. I'm here with DP at Greenwood. Want to say what's up, DP? Hello, everybody. We're back. Hello. We're back here with DP recording again in DP's house. We just had a Christmas party, our annual uh, Make New U Chicago Christmas party. How do you think it went, DP? Well, um, I have the uh, Santa Claus sitting right next to me interviewing me right now. Still, so still I got to say... Yeah, you're still dressed in the Santa Claus suit, actually. Um, so it, w- it went really well, Santa Claus. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, 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 it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then yeah, we sang yeah. some uh, Christmas songs afterward, and and now people are like immediately opened up all their gifts and started playing downstairs. So if uh, if you guys hear um, like screaming in the background of this recording, that's what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still very early Christmas vibes over here, over here in Hyde Park. Um, yeah, I thought the last episode was pretty cool. Uh, getting to t- talk a little bit about the podcast and kind of what your goals and intentions for it were. Um, how was that? It was that experience like. Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, I felt like the podcast has potential, and the early feedback we've gotten from our listeners is that um, yeah, we should keep going. So awesome. here we are. Awesome, that's great. Um, but yeah, kind of like last time you mentioned, we we're going to talk about a variety of topics on here, things that you have opinions about or things that are pas- passionate to you. I figure since it's called D-Pod, uh, DP's podcast or David's podcast, it'll be good to get to know you actually and kind of who you are and what you do um, here Sounds in Hyde Park. Good. Sweet. So um, you mentioned last time that you're a pastor here at Grace Point Hyde Park in Chicago. Um, would you say that's like your official job title? Okay. So, um, so I think I don't actually know what my official job title is. <laughs> um, so at our church, uh, my, my position, we, I'm called a full-time lead. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a full-time lead. So that means I lead a ministry and I also work full-time for church. So that's what we mean by full-time lead. Okay. Um, yeah, like other churches would call that pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, refer, I refer to myself as the campus pastor of, of Grace Point Chicago Hyde Park. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, so that would, I guess that's my, I think on my um, official job thing, it says minister though. Yeah, so yeah, cool. I don't know what my official job is. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Because when I think pastor, that's a more colloquial term, right? We hear across churches, across America. But full-time lead is, is kind of different. Um, can you speak a little bit about like what that is like at, at our church? Yeah, like why do we call it that? Yeah, um, why do you call it that? Yeah, I, I think our, our, our roles are, are very functional uh, in nature. So um, like I said, like I'm called a full-time lead because that, that describes what I do. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm currently leading a ministry. Uh, I do it on a full-time basis. And uh, we differentiate that between. So we have like campus leads as well. And, yeah. and that's like. Uh, that includes full-time leads, but there's a lot of people who are actually leading campus ministries at our church who are not full-time. They're what we call co-vocational ministers. Mm. Um, and, and so they, they have a day job. Um, they're working during the day, but in the evenings and the, in the weekends, um, what they're doing for church is they're leading a ministry. Wow. Right? So then they would be also a lead, but then they're not a full-time lead because they're not paid by church. They're right. paid by their secular employer. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So their personal jobs are helping to like finance and support the lives they need to lead to be able to do ministry. Exactly, um, exactly. Yeah. So we have a lot more leads uh, than we do full-time leads. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, but yeah, since you just described that, um, you mentioned that you're a full-time lead for our church, but you mentioned something really interesting called co-vocational ministry. Um, that's people who work a day job, um, but then in the evenings or in their extra time, they do ministry at college campuses or high schools. So I assume you were a co-vocational minister right before you became a full-time lead? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, um, you know, I graduated college in 2011, grad school in 2012, and then I worked from 2012 till 2019. Awesome. Um, in San Francisco, um, yeah, before I, I went full-time for church. Cool. Yeah. What, do you, what did you study in college, and what did you do for work? Yeah, so um, I, in undergrad and for my master's, I, I studied industrial engineering and operations research, I-E-O-R, at UC Berkeley. And um, we used to joke that it stands for imaginary engineering and outside <laughs> recreation because it, uh, it was known as the, the easier of the engineering fields. But it's sort of, if you don't know what that is, it's, it's sort of a mix of, it's a lot of math and statistics. And um, what I studied was uh, something called s- supply chain management, which is kind of the study of how, how to bring a product from all the way from design all the way to getting it on the shelves, like at a store, at a Walmart store, right? So uh, that whole process. Cool. Uh, what industry did you work in? Did you go into um, companies that specialize in that kind of work, supply chain management? Yeah. So um, I did my uh, 
So right after I graduated from grad school, I, I worked for Levi Strauss and Co. Cool. So, you know, like Levi's jeans, Levi's jeans Dockers, yeah. yeah, Dockers pants. Um, uh, I worked for them as a supply manager uh, for a year and a half mm. um, before I decided that that is actually not where I wanted to take my career. Mm. And uh, I jumped ship and became a database engineer. So I went into software engineering wow. and then I worked in that for the rest of my time that I was employed. Oh, cool. How did you make that pivot? Like, did you do like additional schooling or how do you learn skills on your first job that? Yeah. You know, luckily, um, I, I learned a lot of computer science in high school. Uh, I took two and a half years of computer science in high school. I took another couple years in college as well. And cool. so um, I had a little bit of background. I also, part of my major, we did a, uh, a databases class. And so a lot of, uh, what I ended up doing, uh, for my, um, for my work, it was um, database engineering. And so uh, a lot of the classes that I took in college actually were pertinent mm. um, to that. And so it was actually not that bad of a sh bad of a shift, I guess. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's interesting. So you mentioned you worked from 2012 when you finished grad school in Berkeley to 2019, and then you made the choice to become full-time. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So uh, January 2019, that's when I... Uh, I walked away from the Salesforce tower where I worked in SF and I remember taking a selfie in front of it. <laughs> and then when I showed up to work at HB in Alameda, I took a selfie in front of my new desk there. Nice. Uh, maybe I'll post those up into the episode notes or something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What, what is HB? Uh, oh, HB, yeah. HB is a, stands for Harbor Bay. It's, it's what we refer to uh, the uh, kind of the headquarters buildings for the Grace Point Network uh, over in Alameda in the Bay Area. Cool. Um, so we refer to that building as HB. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow, so you... Finished college, went straight to grad school. You were in the corporate world for about seven years before choosing to go full time. That seems like a pretty big decision and also relatively early in your life, like, you know, late 20s, like early 30s. I was curious to know, like, um, what went into that decision for you to go full time? And I guess as a follow up question to that, like, did you feel particularly anxious or uncertain about that? Like, did you have to do any, like, kind of planning or evaluation with CADA to kind of figure out, oh, is this the right time or does this make sense for us right now? Uh, what went into that decision? Really curious to hear uh, your side of that. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's a, there's a lot to say about that. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll take a crack at it and you can um, ask any follow-up questions you have. But, um, so I, I think the, the question of full-time ministry, uh, I, th I think it actually came up for me the f for the first time in college. Mm -hmm. um, you know, after I became, you know, I grew up in church, but I became saved, I think genuinely saved as a follower of Christ in my freshman year of college. And uh, as I you know, started to learn to obey, as I, you know, struggled with my sins, as I learned to live out Christian life and learn to love people. And um, I think there were those thoughts like, man, like, shouldn't I, if I'm supposed to love Jesus, like, it'd be awesome to just do that full time. Yeah. Like, just you know, just not have to worry about all the other stuff and just go all in, you know, mm. and just live like I'm on a mission trip all the time. And um, so I think it really started with like kind of simple thoughts like that. But then I understood, you know, after talking with people about it, like, okay, not everyone can go into full-time ministry. Um, uh, and of course, like like I said, like our church really believes in co-vocational ministry, right? Mm. Priesthood of all believers. So it's not like you have to be a full-time minister or a pastor in order to do ministry. Mm. Um, so then, but then I, I think for me, um, as I grew in my responsibility, so, you know, after college, I, I joined on as a college staff mm -hmm. at Berkeley. So I was doing college ministry there. And um, I think over the years, I discovered that, um, like, my heart for college ministry was growing more and more. Mm. Right? This was not just some volunteering thing that I was doing a few hours a week. But, but like, my genuine passion in life went from, like, being, you know, stuff related to my career and things like that to um, the stuff of ministry. Right. Yeah. And then um, I think whenever um, whenever there was an oppor opportunity to grow or to be trained up. So like, you know, Bible teacher training, mm -hmm. um, a different leadership opportunities, uh, different chances to teach a workshop at um, at like uh, like a retreat or something mm -hmm. like I think I made it a point to just say yes to all those opportunities, opportunities. And I want mm -hmm. to just see where God led with that. Yeah. And um, but as I kept saying yes to those things, I think. Um, more and more, I, I, I began to, you know, cause you know, like some of those things like teaching and learning to preach, like, um, and, and giving more of your time, uh, more of your time, more of yourself, more of your energy to ministry. Like those things were difficult at first, but mm -hmm. then I think over time I, I, I grew to really like enjoy it. Um, and, and I, I could see myself growing in, in those skills. Mm -hmm. 
And I think I had the realization that, hey, like if there was an opportunity to go full time in the future, like yeah. um, I would definitely be open to that. Yeah. You know? And and I think the big, um, big step I took was to start taking seminary classes. Mm. Uh, so that was uh, kind of an invitation that went out uh, to some of the leads at the time and like, hey, like, if you're interested in going full-time in the future, you guys should really uh, consider starting to take these seminary classes. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I started doing that, right? And so uh, that meant, like, on top of work, on top of ministry, I was also um, taking these classes. And that's around the time that I think I, uh, I started dating uh, Kata. Mm -hmm. and, and and so you asked about, like, oh, did I have to talk about the Kata? And um, actually, in, like, I think it was about a month in. It was, it was pretty early on in our dating relationship. Um, yeah. I remember, like, asking her, like, hey, um, actually I, I'm open to going full time in the future. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of need to know like where you are. On oh, that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> where, where, where are you on that? Wow, cause, really early on. Cause, um, cause for me, like, I, I do feel like that might be the direction that God is calling me. Mm. And, and so, so I found this out later on, but she really had to think about that. Uh, right. Cause yeah. she was like, Oh shoot. Like, <laughs> I don't know if that's what I want, you know, yeah. but then, um, no, so, so, so then she had a chance to wrestle with it. Mm. And then, and then when we talked about it, she said she was open to it too. Mm. Right. And, and at that time there was not an opportunity or an opening or anything. Mm. Right. But, and, and that was, um, you know, when we were dating, that was three, four years before we actually went full time. Mm. Um, but that conversation began early on in, yeah. in our dating relationship. Cause I knew that that's sort of the direction that I think God was leading me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, um, again, uh, I think the way we approach full-time ministry at our church is very functional. It's very like role-based. And mm -hmm. so there was actually an initial discussion, um, back in 2017 about me going full-time cause we, um, cause at the time, uh, uh I think, uh, our leaders, uh, you know, the overseers, they were trying to come up with um, um, the the teams for the 2017 church plants, the yeah. East Coast church plants. And um, so, you know, we were part of that conversation, right? Mm -hmm. um, but then ended up that we didn't like go out during that time. So mm -hmm. we stayed in Berkeley. We continued to lead a ministry there. Um, and so I didn't need to go full time. Yeah. But when we sent a bunch of, um, bunch of the people out, for the East Coast church plants, that's when actually Cato went full time. Yeah. So Cato went full time, like almost two years before me. Wow. So so they asked like, oh well, we, hey, we need more sisters to to join on for for mm -hmm. admin work at, at church, and and so Cato quit her job and, and she went full time for church, and uh, um, and then um, it was for it was in 2018 when we were asked once again like, hey, like we want to send you guys out mm -hmm. for the next wave of church planting. Yeah. Would you guys be interested? And at that point, I think it was a relatively easy decision yeah because like there wasn't so much drama in that moment actually exactly, because yeah. i think the drama had been building up mm. like drama so to speak had been building up for years already right and we've already thought about it many times and right. like been ready at, at multiple moments and i think at that moment the hardest thing was maybe communicating that to our parents yeah that we were going to make that big jump but in terms of ourselves i think our hearts were ready yeah and and, and sort of that's what we've been preparing for for you know three, four years already. So. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that story. Um, cause when you think about the choice of going full time, like you, people might imagine that, Oh, like you have to kind of like all of a sudden make a big leap, drop everything and just totally like to go into it, like putting your whole faith. That'll just work out. But I think I like how you described that. Um, it was a combination of many small decisions over the course of many years. as you took the steps to learn how to do Bible teaching, um, going to seminary, uh, being a lead, a co-vocational lead at Berkeley, all those things lent itself to making that decision a lot easier. In a way, you kind of had to make those like little choices to surrender and put your faith in Jesus many times leading up to that point. And it kind of um, yeah, culminated in when, in that opportunity to, that came up in 2018, 2019, and you taking it. So I think that's really cool, especially for someone like me being like a young Christian. As I see people who've come before me um, who made the choice to go full time, I've always thought, man, that's a really like big decision to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but when you, what, the way you showed it is like, yeah, I have a lot of small decisions I can make now if I want to make that something I want to do in my life. So that was pretty cool. Like how yeah, you showed yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on the first podcast, you had we talked about how part of the impetus for this is was the fact that we feel like there's a lack of like in between conversations that happen for us to communicate some of the values and things that go into why we li live the life that we lead now. I was curious to know if you have people in your life who had kind of gone ahead before you to do full-time ministry who you had this kind of pivotal conversations with or you saw how they lived their lives and how that may, may have inspired you to even more to make that choice for yourself. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. So the first person that comes to mind is um, is Pastor Steve. He currently leads our 
a Seattle ministry. And um, so he was my, uh, my leader from freshman year to junior year of mm-hmm. college. Um, he, he was a really impactful figure in my life because um, that was a period in my life where, I, you know, I kind of had a rocky relationship with my parents, especially my dad. I mean, mm-hmm. since then, my relationship with my dad has improved a lot. But um, um, so he sort of was almost a surrogate father to me. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like in some ways he reparented me. He showed me what it looks like to uh, be a Christian man, a Christian father, yeah, Christian husband. I had me over at his house a lot. Um, so I have a lot of fond memories with Pastor Steve. And um, and in my junior year, he he quit his job. So he was an IT engineer mm. at The Gap, I remember, in San Francisco. And wow. he would take us to his, his workplace. I thought it was so cool, <laughs> you know, and... Um, and we ate at the cafeteria. <laughs> the cafeteria name, yeah. And um, and I remember him going full time, quitting his job, moving to Southern California. Went to Riverside of all mm, places. Yeah. Which, if you know Riverside, there's nothing there. So um, <laughs> he went, he went there to go to UC Riverside and start up a ministry there, and he planted mm. there. And uh, that was, uh, I think, at the time, I was like, wow, like. That's good for Steve, I guess. Like, I was really sad. Like, I remember crying. Mm. But, like, I, you know, I, I think over the years, I've looked back on that a lot. And, mm. like, wow. Like, I and, and think I, I got to a place where I was, like, I that was really admirable. And um, maybe one day I could do something like that. Mm. And I think that's perhaps where that idea got planted in my yeah. heart. You know, like, oh, I wonder if one day I'll have the courage to do that. Cause at the time that felt so impossible for me, mm. right? Like that seemed so out of reach. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that yeah. Was, that's definitely one person that comes to mind. Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah. Like again, to reiterate, like, yeah, that really captures the value of that life on life. Um, kind of way we do life in community here. That is really, really valuable to each and every one of us. Like I can imagine like if Pastor Steve was not in your life in that way, like being a kind of surrogate father who showed you how to be a Christian man in college and, pa- and beyond college, a Christian husband, um, Christian father, I can imagine like, yeah, like maybe that decision would have been a little bit harder uh, when it actually came around in 2018, 2019. So uh, that's really cool. Yeah. So like you mentioned now, um, you're a full-time lead. So seven years of co-vocational ministry, and now you're a full-time lead here in Grace Point Hyde Park. Um, How did you end up in Hyde Park from Alameda? Like what was that whole process like? Um, So um, when we went full-time, the understanding was, that we'd get trained for one year mm-hmm. um, and then we'd get sent out. And um, I think the implication what there was uh, to, oh, cause I, I think at the time we were still forming like what the new church plants would be. Um, now um, six months in, six <laughs> months into our one year training, yeah. um, uh, basically, you know, we got called into a meeting and uh, there were some other decisions that were announced there, but then, um, uh, they looked at us and they said, DP and Kata, um, we're wondering if you guys can go to Chicago. Mm. Go to Chicago. Because now Chicago had been planted a year before. Yeah. Right. Um, by the 2015 bros. Um, mm. who You Chicago, at least. Um, the 2015 bros came, just a bunch of peers without a leader. Yeah. They just started reaching out to the campus here. That's, that's a whole nother that's, story, that's, which that's we're going to, yeah, yeah, we're going to do another, another podcast for sure. Um, but um, basically, hey, these 2015 guys, um, they want a leader now or they need a leader out there, yeah. right? Cause there's actually stuff happening. People are coming, mm. you know, um, there's actually a, a church forming. So mm. um, would you guys uh, be able to go and, and lead that ministry? And um, I was like, where's Chicago? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I actually, it was kind of wrong though, where I thought it was. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize it was right next to Lake Michigan. Um, <laughs> So that was, it was a shock. Yeah, it yeah. was a shock. Um, ha- had a little bit of time to process it, but you know, in, in the end, it wasn't that big of a drama to me because mm. um, I, I went into this not having a city in mind necessarily, but yeah. just wanting to go wherever um, a kind of our church network needed us to go mm. uh, to fill in the need. And I think God knew what he was doing. I, I mean, yeah. I'm so thankful that he brought us to Chicago um, and the kind of experience that we've had in the past three years here, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Mm. Uh, just working with the staff here, um, going through COVID together, uh, yeah. just the ups and downs of ministry together. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the students that we've been able to meet and intersect with the salvation decisions that we've experienced. And so, yeah. so for me personally, it wasn't like Chicago was the place I was going to go plant. It was, mm. that wasn't such a big deal to me. Mm. It was sort of 
I want to be available to to lead in whatever capacity the church needs me to lead. Yeah. And and, and the, the way that the situation, the circumstances worked out, um, it seems like God called me to Chicago. Yeah. And, and and since then, I think I've learned to embrace the city. Yeah. yeah. That's really sweet. Yeah, yeah. Like making your primary impetus for doing this a burden um, for the people who needed to be loved here at the church was forming. Um, I remember 2019, because that's, that's actually the same year I moved out. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just yeah. graduated from L.A. And yeah, moved out here. just graduated yeah, yeah. from UCLA, moved to Northwestern. Um, and you, Kata, just moved here. And Emma was with you guys then, too. How old was she? She was. Uh, she had just turned one, I believe. She was 13 months. Wow, that's incredible. Wow. And Lucas um, wasn't... Wasn't an idea yet. Okay, wasn't an idea yet. <laughs> <laughs> cool. People kind of listen to that and think, oh, wow, you guys like packed up and moved from Alameda and relatively quick turnaround, like with a one-year-old. Like that sounds crazy, but with what you already described with all those small decisions over time, I can imagine it wasn't that much of a drama um, when you finally made that choice, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't <laughs> think it was a drama to make the choice, yeah. but I think it was definitely still stressful mm, at the time. Yeah. But when I look back on it now, it's sort of like, ah, it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> I think during the time, I think we were feeling kind of stressed out a little bit. Yeah. But we yeah, had a yeah. lot of help, though. It's not like we did it ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everything from packing. I remember um, class of 2019 in Berkeley that we were ministering to, you know, they, they all came over, helped, helped us pack. Oh, 2019. That's your years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, they, they helped us pack, get everything into the pod. And then, you know, when we came out here, like, you know, like Ray and Shin, who who led the a new ministry, yeah. the Northwestern ministry at the time, they had already like found housing for us. They had wow. looked into daycares for us. Wow. Um, and uh, so we arrived, got, you know, like our apartment was ready with like makeshift stuff, wow. like a, like a, a, you know, bed, oh, like incredible. toiletries and everything. And, and uh, yeah, we, we came and I don't know, we, there were so many people that helped along the mm. way. So um, it didn't feel as crazy as, or like as, as heroic as it sounds like, you know, yeah. like, uh, just us doing it by ourselves. It wasn't yeah. like that in reality. So, yeah. 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 That's awesome. They painted that picture. Like what you just described is pretty insane. Like to think that people would, you know, take time aside from their own like personal lives to help you guys pack. Like I can imagine too, like having started a family and having a child, like there's a lot you guys have to move from around me. There's people giving up their time um, and bandwidth to do that. And also to prepare a place for you here in Chicago. Like, man, that's incredible. Like, um, it's, it's pretty awesome to see that picture of the church, like coming to life, like church. What, this one thing we're we'll probably going to go over in another podcast too, but church not being like, you know, the building that you go to, but the people um, who you rub lives with on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. and treating each other like more than, more than family. I think that picture really shows, really shows that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, like I think moving is moving, helping people move is one of those things yeah. that, uh, I don't know. It's, it's sort of like one of those pictures that I have of our church mm. that, that kind of typifies or kind of exemplifies. Yeah. I think, yeah, that, that kind of acts to family life that we, we love so much. And yeah. Yeah. Like bearing one another's burdens, you know, like mm -hmm. they say that moving is one of the, I forget. It's like, it's in the top five most stressful things that people do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we've, I don't think we've feel that, yeah. feel that at all. Yeah. I think we just think it's kind of fun and <laughs> we're going to eat some Papa John's and we're going to help each other move, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I feel like in Chicago church, we've helped almost everyone move every summer. Yeah. People need to stop moving. Um, <laughs> so that it hasn't stopped since I came here. <laughs> this is my first summer not moving. Wow. Or like this past summer yeah. was my first summer. Not, yeah. My first summer not moving oh, since, wow. since I came to Chicago. So yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That's incredible. Um, it, you, actually, I think it's, it's actually a pretty funny story. Some funny stories. I guess why you guys move so, so like, regularly like do you have any funny stories about that like why you guys moved apartments or oh gosh so um, <laughs> i don't know if it's funny but uh yeah. well the you know first apartment we lived on in shoreland apartments which is like you know it's a little bit farther from campus is right on lake michigan mm -hmm. so that, that was nice as our kind of you know apartment building multiple staff uh like like leeshin and cup uh, leeshin and couple leeshin and stella another staff couple lived there single sisters lived there as well mm. so that was really nice and happy but we wanted to move closer to campus mm. so kata and i we, we found this good deal um near campus right next to um south dorm um mm. but then um it was a basement unit mm. and that basement unit that summer after we moved in when there were major rains it flooded oh, three wow. times and it was not water it was from something else. 
Uh, okay. if you know what I mean. Y- yes. <laughs> you know what I mean. So, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. So <laughs> so at that point, like, we we couldn't stay there. So, right. you know, uh, we talked to the owner and able to break lease. But mm-hmm. God answered our prayers, uh, provided us kind of a, a bigger townhome that we could move into on the south side. Yeah. Um, right beside campus. Yeah. Well, before this one. There oh, before was this an- one. Another one. Oh, Kidmark. Yeah. yeah right. on, on the south side. And uh, in the Woodlawn neighborhood. So we were there for a year. Mm-hmm. And then um, after that, yeah, um, uh, we were able to move to Greenwood, where we yeah. are now, which awesome. is like half a block from campus. Yeah. So this, this is super ideal. Yeah, 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 it's incredible. The proximity makes a huge difference. Yeah. Because, like, no. for example, we just mentioned having the Christmas party, like hearing you guys at home. Like, I can imagine if you lived at Shoreland still or oh, that'd be hard. Yeah, it'd be yeah. really hard for people to come yeah, over. Yeah, I mean, people can't. Nowadays, like, students can just walk over, come over yeah. to the house whenever they want. And, um, I mean, our housing situation here is crazy because uh, Ben and Amy were able to get a house right next to us. Yeah. And then Brandon and Cindy, who lead our international ministry, mm-hmm. they're two doors down from us as well. Yeah. And so we have three townhomes in a row. Here. Yeah. So I, I think in terms of uh, Acts 2 Life, doing life together, being able to go e- over to each other's houses daily, I mean, we have a pretty ideal situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, so DP, campus minister here at Grace Point Hyde Park, um, or full-time lead, as you said. Um, I think people are probably curious to know, like, what that entails. Like, what does a typical, like, week as a full-time lead um, look like for you here in Grace Point Hyde Park? Yeah, so um, I think I think it can de- it can defer week to week uh, mm-hmm. depending on the projects that I'm working on. But um, so I'll, I'll just kind of share my baseline schedule. So um, I'm starting from Monday. So Mondays, um, Kata and I generally go down to Midwest Lodge. So Midwest Lodge is a, a retreat property that our... our Grace Point Network owns. And so uh, we, as well as Kevin and Emily, who lead our Northwestern ministry, um, we manage that property. So we mm-hmm. go down there, but we start first with uh, something we call weekly reflection. So it's a chance for us to just sit down for two to three hours, kind of think about things we're grateful for, think about the word of God that we took in this past week, write, mm-hmm. write some reflection on it, kind of try to consolidate what we're experiencing, both mm-hmm. in our personal lives as, as well as in our ministries. Um, yeah, and to just ha- have some time of solitude with the Lord. So we start with that. Um, we eat lunch together. And then usually there's some sort of meetings um, that we call into for Zoom. So kind of mm-hmm. Grace Point Network-wide meetings that involve full-time leads and things like that. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And then um, in the afternoon, uh, we, we try to spend one or two hours doing uh, Midwest Lodge maintenance type work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of we have a, a running list, a never-ending list of <laughs> Of, of different things that need to be fixed or, or contractors that need to be contacted and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So we try to do that all on Monday afternoon. And then we come back uh, Monday afternoon uh, and then we have team meetings. Uh, mm-hmm. Team meetings, so that's with our college ministry staff team, um, our staff mentors. And so that's on Monday night. Cool. Um, and then Tuesdays, um, Tuesdays are more open. Uh, so Tuesdays are more open. So it's, it's different like in meetings and, and things like that during the day. For me, Wednesday's the uh, kind of a significant day because Wednesday I have dedicated all day to do sermon prep. Mm. So message prep, message writing. So that could be for the Wednesday uh, Corinthians Bible studies that we've been doing. Yeah. Or, um, or that could be for Sunday service kind of depending on what I need to work on at the moment. So mm-hmm. I, I usually do that from, you know, 830 to 530 yeah. um, all day. Uh, and then, uh, and then Thursday, Friday, you know, I, I try to have office hours with people, I try to connect with different people. And then in the off hours, I'm often doing a lot of, um, message prep mm-hmm. as well. And then, um, in the, in the mornings, um, whenever there isn't a meeting scheduled, Kata and I do, um, daily huddles. Mm-hmm. So we, um, so, you know, we're sort of the full-time ministry staff team here, right? Yeah. Cause it's not like we have a lot of paid staff. Like, mm-hmm. so Kata and I handle, you know, a lot of the administration and kind of the logistics and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so we need kind of a daily huddle to, to sync up, to talk about like agenda items, like what are the things that we need to solve for? What are the scheduling things we need to mm-hmm. um, figure out? And so we try to do that um, on a daily, we try to do it on a daily basis, but it ends <laughs> up being like two to three times a week or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so and, and then, you know, Saturdays we usually have some sort of something, you know, trips, yeah. you know, different meetings and things like that. And then Sunday is Sunday. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's a pretty full week. Yeah, yeah. A lot yeah, of yeah. stuff packed in there. You mentioned um, as well as you were describing kind of what the daytimes look like. Like you have meetings with other full-time leads across the network of churches here at Grace Point. Um, so I was curious how, if there's any portion of like your week that's dedicated to more like network-wide projects or work. Like I can imagine most of your time is dedicated to here um, in Hyde Park, but do you, do you devote any time to like more network wide assignments and what do those kind of assignments or projects look like? Yeah. So, um, 
So like right now, um, right now we're doing more GP Grace Point wide work. Like mm-hmm. right now, as in like this week, and and that's because we actually have a a team all team retreat coming up this weekend mm. um, uh, for the thirties for the thirties and up. So different cool. people are flying in from around the nation to to attend this retreat in California, and a lot of the full time leads we. Um, we do some of the background work and helping prepare the content and things like that. So, mm. so more of my hours this week and last week have been helping prep for that. And for example, one of the things that Chicago church we're producing is a, uh, is recording a testimony from Nicholas, one of our staff mm-hmm. uh, about just his experience of doing evangelism and reaching out to different groups of people this past year. Yeah. And his story was super encouraging. So we mm. wanted to feature it at this retreat. Sweet. Um, and so, you know, we recorded that. I think right now, as we speak, Nicholas might be editing it, but I'm kind of working mm-hmm. with him to do that, to film yeah. that. Um, so yeah, th- th- that's the kind of stuff that's kind of ad hoc that we might get pulled into. Um, so, but on a week to week, like on a week to week, it's, it's usually like just a couple hours a week mm-hmm. uh, where there's meetings where um, like they need, you know, kind of the leadership needs our, our thoughts on different things like that or, or, or brainstorming or, um, and we might, yeah, get kind of pulled into a meeting here or there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but it, it's really seasonal. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's like, I can imagine too with the Thanksgiving season, like at our recent Thanksgiving service, we had this pretty cool video that we showed where we shared um, a story of how different people became Christian through the efforts of many people across different cities um, over this past year. So that was pretty neat. Um, yeah. Yeah. Neat to see. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of stuff, like, yeah, I mean, I guess because I, I edit videos, a lot of the GP-wide work that I'm involved in mm-hmm. involves some sort of video editing or yeah. or brainstorming for videos and things like that. And so, yeah, during Thanksgiving season, I was also involved in a couple of those projects. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, so it's pretty seasonal. But for the most part, you're pretty active with doing things around here at Grace Point Hyde Park. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. How often do you get to, like, go on to, to campus? Um, whether it's, like, to work on campus or meet up with students um, how often do you get to do that? So I, I try to combine my Wednesday um, sermon prep time with going on campus. So I usually go to the Regenstein Library on campus. Nice. Um, you know, I hide in one of the cubicles. Maybe uh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't give away which floor I'm going to be on because um, people are going to try to find me. Yeah. But, uh, generally, and generally either on the third or fourth floor. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, and then I, I try to, you know, on campus or things like that. And then, you know, office hours generally are on Thursdays and Fridays. So that's mm-hmm. where, you know, I meet with students uh, I want to talk about different things and, um, and that's usually on campus and things like that. And, and whenever our staff are having some sort of outreach effort, like, you know, um, Kata and I, like we, sometimes we have to take turns watching the kids in the evenings. So, um, but you know, we'll, one of us will try to go and at least join for some of the outreach and things like that as well so that we can be on campus as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's really cool. And it's awesome that you guys are available to do that too. Cause I know like in our ministry group here uh, with the staff, like we're all kind of doing different things like Ben, Amy, Nicholas, Janetta are at IIT. And then the rest of us are here at U Chicago. It's pretty cool to see you guys like come in um, and join us for stuff we're doing on campus and yeah, yeah, see yeah. engaging with students as well. Yeah. yeah that's pretty neat. Awesome. Um, but cool. I think that's pretty good to learn a little bit about yeah, your current life and day to day life in ministry. Um, but this all obviously all has to go back to like something that initially prompted you to be interested in Christianity in the first place. I thought it'd be cool to learn a little bit more about your spiritual background as well. Like obviously not your full-time minister, been doing that for a while, but it'll be interesting to learn a bit about what you were like before coming to college. Cause you mentioned Ooh. that you became Christian in college, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. What, what were you like? Like, um, yeah. Like, like, like uh, before college or before college, before yeah, college. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mentioned like becoming Christian in college, so, but I, I grew up going to church. I mm-hmm. grew up going to church starting second grade. Mm-hmm. So that's when my parents started going to church. Mm-hmm. So my parents weren't Christian yet. Um, came, come from a completely kind of, you know, irreligious family. Yeah. Um, but then, um, they had some friends who were Christian who started reaching out to them and, mm-hmm. and they, I think they became Christian or, you know, their first profession of faith when I was in like late elementary school, maybe mm. fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. Um, so the way I explain it is that I, I grew up going to church. I attended Sunday school, but I didn't, I didn't grow up in a Christian home mm. with Christian values. Mm-hmm. And so my world basically just revolved around one thing, which was school and academics mm. doing well in that a very traditional Korean family where academics was like the, num- the number one thing. And yeah. plus I wasn't like super athletic, um, I wasn't, uh, super popular or like, you know, I wasn't going to become a model, you know, <laughs> so, like, so like the one thing I had was my brain. So yeah. like, I, like do, at least do good in that. And that's literally what my parents told me growing up. Mm. So, um, 
so yeah, I mean, life was about that. I went to a really, really competitive high school um, in, in Southern California called Troy. Um, mm. And it was the kind of high school where if you got like, uh, back then it was, uh, SATs were out of 2400. And mm. if you got like a 2350 on it, like you didn't even stand out. Wow. A bunch of other people did too. Wow. And there were like a handful of people got 2400s. Wow. That's, and so that's it was insane. sort of, and, and people were like constantly studying like during lunch times and things like that. And mm. so. And that, that's sort of the the environment I was in, and so yeah, I, I was super competitive, but um, I think the niche that I found myself in was uh, I just couldn't compete with the smartest kids. So what I would do is I would um try to look not stressed on the outside. Mm. So I refused to study during the breaks, during the lunch times. Mm. I tried to be chill. Like yeah. I'm the chill guy who does really well, who does relatively well for being so chill. Yeah, like that was sort of the niche that I I tried to put myself in um during during high school and so uh, but this whole time you know like i mean i was going to church but i had a lot of doubts uh, about the faith i wasn't sure if any of this stuff was real like miracles like resurrection mm -hmm. really like can you really believe in that and what mm -hmm. about science and i had all the kind of typical doubts that um kids growing up in church uh without like good education into this stuff um had yeah and uh yeah, and, and that, that prevented me from taking it seriously. Mm. Even though I would actually argue with my friends about the fact that I was Christian. I like I owned mm. that identity. It's mm. not like I was embarrassed of it. Yeah. I just internally yeah. didn't believe it. Mm. Um which is why when I came to college, um like it was it was a chance for me to kind of have a fresh start to, mm. to kind of um seek that for myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. You mentioned you mentioned a lot there, like the juxtaposition of going to church, going to youth group. Um, but also being in a really cutthroat environment in high school. So that's a pretty helpful picture of what your faith background kind of looked like during that time. You already mentioned a little bit about coming into college and wanting to make it your own. I hear a lot, a lot of stories nowadays of people who grew up going to church and have a lot of those unanswered questions. But when they come to college, they kind of view that as a time to do more like self-exploration. Um, they might totally like stop going to church entirely. So what, what about like, your background or maybe receiving just your personality led you to decide, okay, I actually want to investigate this more, more in college as opposed to just dropping the whole thing altogether because you had the, all those doubts. Pretty loaded question, but yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe I'll go back to middle school because mm -hmm. in middle school I had a period where um, I was thinking a lot about death because mm. I think er, uh, er, early middle school or late, late elementary school, I attended my first funeral. Mm. And at that funeral, I realized, oh shoot, like people die. Mm. I, I think I knew that conceptually, but seeing the body and just, it just hit me in a fresh way. Yeah. And, and then I remember like in middle school, just wrestling with this idea that one day, like this person, I, I think is myself, mm. like my sense of being like, is gonna just disappear one day. And mm. I didn't know what to do with that. Like yeah. that's, that was so depressing. It made me angry and I would cry myself to sleep because mm. I was trying to just imagine what it would be like to not exist. Yeah. And it just seemed such an outrage to me. Yeah. And, um, and I think, but then I think high school was so busy and so competitive that I just didn't have any room to think about that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and, and luckily because I went to a really intense high school, freshman year of college was actually, um, <laughs> relatively easy, yeah. uh, relatively easy. So I had a lot of fun. I hung out with my friends a lot and stuff like that too. But at the invite of a family friend, uh, I started coming out to our church mm -hmm. at Grace Point. And I, th I think the thing that really set it off for me is in the very first event that I, I came to, uh, it was called New Student Welcome Night. And, and Pastor Ed, who's the uh, senior pastor over all of Grace Point Ministries, like he, you know, he spoke at that mm -hmm. event. And he, he made a direct challenge to all the kids who grew up church to have intellectual doubts. Mm. Well, for, okay, first of all, I was so shocked that Pastor Ed spoke English. Because yeah. <laughs> I grew up in a Korean church where no Korean adults spoke good English. Mm. So the fact that he opened his mouth and he spoke perfect English was already shocking to me. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I need to listen to this guy. Yeah. Uh, anyways, but then when he made that direct challenge to Christians, you know, who grew up in church, who have a lot of doubts, and he said, you... Those, they're answers to your doubts. Mm. You, you just need to go look for them. And he made a couple of book recommendations. Wow. And I was like, I had never heard anyone say that. Yeah. So, so I, what I did is I immediately bought those books and I started reading. Yeah. And so I, I guess you could say that I, I think I was spiritually hungry at the time. I mm. was looking for answers mm -hmm. to the doubts that I had because I wanted Christianity to be true. Yeah. Because because I, I didn't want that to be the end. Yeah. The I mean, I, yeah. Course, like, yeah. I mean, gosh, like if, if that's the case, then sure I'll accept it. But like, mm -hmm. I didn't want that to be the case. Mm -hmm. 
but I, I wasn't convinced that Christianity was true at the time. Mm-hmm. So then as I read those books, I, I started out with a bunch of Lee Strobel books, mm-hmm. case four series. I, I read some William Lane Craig. I read some John Lennox. Wow. And um, yeah, like the, over the course of that, that first semester, I, I remember coming to a realization that, oh shoot, this stuff might be real. Like mm-hmm. God might actually be real. And mm-hmm. especially the case for the resurrection really hit me hard. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, like Jesus might've actually been risen from the dead. Yeah. And my experience of that was like, dread and sheer terror mm. because if god wow. is real yeah and if there's heaven in the other place i know where i'm going right right yeah. like that's sort of where i was at yeah in, in that moment and so yeah but i think it, it was that 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 talk that newston welcome night talk where pastor had made that challenge i think that was crucial for me yeah that's incredible yeah because from what you just described about what your personality was like in high school like you know the caricature of you arguing to defend your christian identity while having those doubts inside of you and then coming to that new student welcome night on the invite of a friend and pastor ed directly challenging the crowd in that way it almost felt like it was personally addressing you probably right yeah yeah, yeah. no i mean I, I really felt like god was leading me right um, like i mean i joke about this but like I was seriously considering going to the Naval Academy mm. uh, for, for college. Uh, Cause I did Naval Navy JROTC, um, you know, I had a high respect for the military and mm. um, yeah. So, you know, and, and I did the whole process and I pretty much got in. Um, but Berkeley, I changed my mind when UC Berkeley gave me a full ride mm. and, and I, in, in, in a way I think God, God just, I'm, I'm thankful that God led me in that way. Like yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know like the reasons all of that, that, that happened, but um like, I, I don't know where I would be right now mm-hmm. if I didn't come to Berkeley, I didn't hear that message and I didn't start investigating mm-hmm. and, and taking my faith seriously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's incredible. Like all those little things, seemingly little things, but all directing you to that point where you ended up going to Berkeley, you ended up coming to that event, being addressed personally, buying those books, engaging with them and realizing like, hey, there are answers to my questions, but also like the answers actually elicit a personal response and that kind of all like um, culminating your decision uh, to follow Jesus. Yeah. 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 So I think all of that was happening in the back of my mind, you know, I was, I was doing all this stuff in the privacy of my dorm room, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I don't think my leaders at church knew about this. Like yeah. I wasn't really talking about it with people. Um, and, uh, but I remember coming to a uh, winter retreat, actually winter retreat of my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and hearing a very clear message from pastor Ed once again, where he explained what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. That Christian life is, is, is like Christian life. You know, it's, it's the little pie chart. I don't know if you've ever seen that mm-hmm. like yeah. the pie chart where like you draw these different pieces of the pie and you put religion as one slice of the pie. And that's how a lot of Christians approach mm-hmm. Christian life. Yeah. But that's the wrong picture. That's not what it means to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. What it means to be a Christian is to put Christ at the center over all areas of those lives yeah. and allow Christ to speak into every single area and have given full Lordship, make him a yeah. Lord, L- let him have the final say of every aspect of your life. That's and really helpful. That like, and, and, and basically like, and if you haven't done that, you're not a Christian. Mm-hmm. And that really, that hit me. I'm like, that's me, man. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> church Christianity is just one slice of my life. And mm, yeah. like Christ didn't speak into any other area of my life. I just did whatever I wanted. Yeah. And I realized, oh man, I had never made Jesus my savior and Lord. Yeah. And I think that was the first time where I said, I think I need to do this, mm. you know, and, and I made that decision. And then since then, it's all been being worked out, you know, yeah. like, it's not like I immediately changed that every area of my life, but yeah. like to come to that decision and say, okay, well, I think the right thing to do here is to surrender my yeah. life to Jesus. And so yeah. uh, that's what happened at my winter retreat. Yeah. And was that your freshman year? Or yeah, freshman year. Year. Okay. yeah. Freshman year. Yeah. Freshman year. Yeah. Freshman year. Wow, that's an incredible story. Yeah, like that all those things like between high school and college culminated in after just one semester, you know, like making this a choice to go to the winter retreat, read those books and personally respond to the gospel all over the span of a few months. And then you had like obviously the rest of college um, for you as well. So what what did it look feel like initially post-decision? Um, and then how did you continue to like grow in your your faith in college? Yeah, so... Um, <clears throat> The rest of that freshman year was really rough, actually. Mm, yeah, I can um, imagine. It, it was rough because now that I made that decision to take Christ's lordship seriously, mm-hmm. there were all sorts of things about how I lived that um, were not consistent. Let's say let's mm-hmm. not. It, w- it was not consistent with my faith. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, that that spring semester at Berkeley 
for our, um, I was part of a fellowship called Acts 2 Fellowship. And um, on Friday nights, um, Pastor Will, who, who led Acts 2 Fellowship at the time, like he, he uh, was going through a Ten Commandments series. Mm-hmm. Basically, the entire semester on Friday nights, we were talking about what is sin. Mm-hmm. He went through each commandment mm-hmm. and kind of really expounded on it and kind of gave context for it and brought in the New Testament to kind of fill out what, what, did, what did God mean mm-hmm. by these commandments. And so every week, I just remember like coming back from those Bible studies just wrecked because mm-hmm. yeah. I just felt so convicted that I was a sinner, mm. right? Like basically every message, I'm like, oh, I, I'm just like that. <laughs> yeah, like I yeah. have no other gods before me. I have so many gods mm. before God, you know, like, yeah. yeah. And, and then at the time, you know, the big thing I was uh, struggling with actually was, um, was a relationship that I was in mm. and, um, um, you know, uh, relationship where you know I w- it wasn't a godly relationship mm-hmm. at the time so um that i think that was the big thing that god was wrestling with me about mm-hmm. and uh, so what hey okay if if i'm lord of your life now um what are you gonna do about this mm-hmm. right and and so that that was a that was a several month struggle yeah of um taking god's word um not liking what i was hearing mm-hmm. but knowing that i was wrong and yet mm-hmm. not wanting to do anything about it yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of, uh, I don't know. It, I, 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 w- I want to be able to say, I just heard the message and I repented and it yeah. was, it was that clean, but it wasn't, mm. it was, it was a long struggle. Yeah. And, um, but I think that was a very crucial struggle for me because, yeah. uh, you know, during the summer I made, I made some decisions to, uh, to, you know, end that relationship. Um, um, it was mutual, um, but end that relationship and, mm-hmm. and, um, and I think that's when I discovered this kind of freedom of, of mm. like, oh man, like this is what I should have done all along. Yeah. You know, like I, it took me so long, but like, oh, I finally obeyed. I repented. Mm. I, I said, sorry to God. And I, I, I made that, you know, we talk about how repentance, right? It's, it's metanoia. It's, it's the, it's mm. that U-turn, the changing of the mind. And, and I actually changed my mind about this. Yeah. And I decided to follow God in this area of my life and, yeah. and strive for purity. Mm. And I think that, was a really crucial first step mm. after becoming a Christian. Yeah. And that struggle kind of informed me for all future struggles as well mm. to know that ultimately what God says is best. Mm. Even if I don't agree, what it looks like to be a Christian is to say, God, in the end you win. Yeah. Um, so I, so, you know, it's painful even thinking back on it now, but mm. I'm, I'm thankful for that period because I think it really taught me some valuable lessons about what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good to kind of get that picture to understand like, yeah, how you can go from who you were before making that decision to become Christian to where you are now and kind of similar to the, to the small steps idea that we talked about earlier. It's like those small steps of surrendering your life to God, like the steps of repentance. Because Philippians 1, 6 says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion the day of Christ Jesus. And I think, yeah, the way that really works out in day-to-day, day-to-day life as a Christian is in taking those opportunities to repent. Like those areas of our lives where we haven't fully surrendered that thing to God, whether it's romance or idolatry of money or comfort or whatever it is, that's helpful to see how like, yeah, that's one choice um, that you made that kind of helped to begin that transforming process in you, in your heart. Yeah, yeah. And when I when I tell, uh, you know, there, there's a testimony that I, I gave a couple years ago about us going full-time. Mm-hmm. And um, that testimony it begins with that decision, mm. you know, to honor God in, in the area of purity. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think you're right. That, mm. that is where it began. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's not like you become, you know, this godly person overnight. Right. Like it, it's a hundred of these kinds of mm-hmm. little steps you have to take. And we say little, but it, each time it might feel like death. Yeah. Because that's what you're doing. You're, you're yeah. dying to yourself and you're mm-hmm. allowing Christ to live mm-hmm. instead. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I guess from there on, like, I can imagine there are many more choices, too, from there. Like, I can imagine, it, like, for example, like, the friends that you, you had, like, prior to becoming Christian. Like, what was, what ended up happening with that dynamic? Like, your old friends, and then, like, how did you, like, from then on get more plugged in with, like, church community, and what was that like for you? Yeah, so, um, yeah, in college, I had, like, three pretty distinct groups of friends. So, mm-hmm. I had, um, 
we had about 25 of us from high school who came to Berkeley together. Yeah, from wow. Troy. So, so, you know, a good chunk of those people, we were really close friends in high school. So we would hang out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then I had my IEOR friends, you know, like my yeah. uh, people in my major and, you know, small majors. So everyone knew each other and uh, did projects together. So there was that group of friends and then, and my church friends. And definitely before I became Christian, I think my, my main reference group was uh, my high school friends. And, um, but then I think what started to happen after I became Christian is I, I started to realize that uh, I needed Christian brothers mm-hmm. um, to to walk this with. Because as, as much as I loved my high school friends, like as, if I was trying to obey Christ, if I was trying to struggle against my sins, if I was um, trying to live out a life of love, mm-hmm. like I, I needed to do that in the context of other Christian brothers. And so so then I think over, the t- over time, I, I invested more and more time and energy into um, my Christian brothers and sisters. Yeah, and um, I mean that that didn't mean that I, I stopped hanging out with my my other friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did, but I started to also over time. Mm-hmm. Or this again, this didn't happen instantly, but over time I started to view them differently. Yeah, right. Um, not just as people I had fun with, or mm-hmm. you know, um, or just went to like SF to hang out with, or something like that. But I started to develop what I would call, I, I guess, a burden for them, mm-hmm. right? Because I recognized a lot of them weren't saved, mm-hmm. and so. Um, you know, and maybe that's a topic for a whole nother podcast about just like uh, how do we, uh, like how do we share our faith with our friends? Yeah, but um, it's huge. Yeah, so that th- that was a burden for me, mm-hmm. right? And at times, at times, I didn't do anything, but there were times where I'd pray for them and you know try to bring up things or whenever we had a, a an event at church that I thought that uh, they might be interested in, I would invite them to that. Or, yeah, that's sweet. You know, I'd try to share with them about what's happening in my life. I'd just mm-hmm. be open about the fact that I'm getting more and more involved in church. And yeah. so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, now I'm forgetting what the original question was, but um, <laughs> I'm just talking about um, my different friend groups right now. But yeah, that's uh, so what comes to mind. Yeah, no, that is helpful. Yeah, yeah. And I can imagine too, like because you knew these people for so long, like that's probably like, was initially your like main reference group, your friends from high school and the people you're seeing every day in your classes. So I can imagine with that, given the fact that um, more of your time had been allocated to like that group of friends, like what was it like, and this is also like a topic for another podcast, but what was it like for you, like trying to cultivate like those relationships with people in church? Like, um, cause like you mentioned, like as Christians, we um, believe that we serve the same Lord and we know that he's doing a work in us to make us more um, like himself. And so as a result, it's hard to do that on our own. But with people who you probably didn't have as much background in or maybe even similar interests, like what was that like uh, getting close? <laughs> <laughs> I think Toph was laughing because he saw my face. Um, <laughs> let's just say it was hard. Yeah, it was, it was hard because, yeah, yeah my, my small group was really, um, the guys were really different from me. So, mm. you know, on the Myers-Briggs, I'm a T. Mm. Uh, like I'm a thinker versus a feeler. Everyone on my in my small group was a as was an F wow. or a feelers, and then I'm a J, j- you know, judging like I like to plan things ahead. I like to kind of know what's happening and things like that. And all of them were P's. No, all way. of them were like you know spontaneous um, perceivers, right? And yeah. so like, um, so it's fun, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It was yeah. So it was out of actually just it started as a, just a sheer commitment mm-hmm. um, because. You know, I, I heard the Bible studies. I heard the messages on the body of Christ and the need to love one another, to speak the truth to one another, to bear one another's burdens. Um, like, I mean, I knew it. Like, I've gone to church long enough. I, mm-hmm. I know what I'm. I know what the Bible teaches about this. Yeah. So it was a matter of actually just living it out, and it helped a lot that our we had leaders and spiritual mentors. I think mm. that's crucial. That's um, huge. You know, because yeah. they they gathered us right. Mm-hmm. They gathered us to do devotions. They would bring us over to their place mm-hmm. and in the context of having that older mentor there like we learned to um draw together as we drew close to christ mm. um so um but yeah i mean yeah it's, it's just a lot of hard work because mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean it was a lot of fun too right yeah. but like you know the, the the times where you get really close are like you know the difficult conversations right or, you know or, or kind of where you get a little vulnerable right mm-hmm. like i remember those like sweet kind of small group times where you know someone shared something kind of vulnerable and mm. and then you're met with some the group that prays for you and then someone else shares something on top mm. of that and mm. and then you kind of it just kind of opens up the floodgates and people are, are, are kind of sharing their heart and yeah 
and you see an aspect of each other that you never had seen before. Right, and, yeah. and then sort of like, oh, I didn't know we were allowed to talk about this kind of mm, stuff, right? Yeah. And um, and after that, it became easier. Yeah. And then as you get closer, like, you know, in my junior year, like a bunch of us lived together mm. in an apartment. And man, like, um, as we saw each other more, then we start to get on each other's nerves too, right? Mm, like, you know, yeah. the, as you get closer, it's sort of like, we use that imagery of porcupines trying to get close <laughs> and you like poke each other, right? So yeah. like, um, you end up getting annoyed or like, oh, like, hey, how come you don't like clean up your socks? Like, hey, how come you keep snoozing your alarm? Like, yeah. you know, like different things come up and you have to talk about it, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't want to get cold towards each other yeah. because we just be Christian brothers. And so mm-hmm. then the only option is to talk about it and yeah. to work it out. And, um, and as we did that over many reps, yeah. I think we learned, like not only did our relationships grow, but I think the, what, what happens is something happens to your heart. Like mm-hmm. something happened to my heart where I learned how to care for people yeah. instead of kind of, cause I think the kind of person I was before was I, I'm just focused on my goal. Like I, I have academics and grades and job in mind and yeah. that's where I'm going and nobody can stop me. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I had to become the kind of person over time where actually people can stop me mm-hmm. like, Hey, like, Hey, let's talk or, yeah. Hey, Oh, here's this person who's in need. Like, let me slow down and yeah. like, like pay attention to this yeah. like, situation or this person. And yeah. uh, I think having those Christian brothers and relationships kind of helps you grow in that respect too. So yeah, that's yeah. a beautiful picture. Yeah. Like despite all the frictions, like in a way like that was necessary for you guys to become close. Like I think the picture you just described as well, where you're rubbing lives with each other as you're getting close, you're kind of realizing like, you know, people's shortcomings and things like that. It's something that I really find to be pretty awesome about the Christian faith as a whole and the idea of church. The way I heard it articulated in a quote was there's nothing that compares to being fully known and loved and accepted. And we experienced that when we first made that decision to follow Jesus for the first time. And then I think it comes to life in like a different way, like when you experience it in the context of people and living it out with other people, right? So I think I can imagine how like that came to life for you, like in those interactions and trying to do life with your friends um, mm-hmm. in college. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and you're trying to like you know all your life you're told to like put up a like a certain front, or, right? Yeah, you know, look impressive in front of people, and and then instead instead what you find is that oh here's this group of guys where we can let our hair down, so to speak. Yeah, not yeah. that I have a lot of hair to let down, <laughs> but like right, just uh, like you just you know you can be yourself, and right, you know yeah. warts and all like you're loved, right? So um, yeah, over time you you grow to really really appreciate that, mm, you know, like yeah. oh man, I don't have to. I don't have to be impressive here. Like people mm-hmm. just accept me. And, yeah. and that's, that's the kind of that church I think that we're trying to build mm-hmm. uh, here. Cause I think that's the kind of church that every church should be. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Experiencing that yourself. And then in a way too, like you just described, like your own burden for other college students grows like while you're in college and even beyond and now doing college ministry, like when people to experience that same transformative healing power of the gospel through receiving it themselves, but also living it out with, with other people too. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I can kind of see how, like, doing that over the course of the next few years in college, like, you guys probably began to get really, like, aligned what you wanted your, your lives to be about as you worked it out, relationally with each other, trying to be more like Jesus. But also I can imagine, too, like, um, growing your identity as a minister. That's a, another topic, too, but I can imagine, like, making the choice to eventually become a full-time minister. You must have started to develop some kind of love or care for, for ministry. I was curious to know if that happened in college and how that um, started um, with you or with you and your friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's a lot, again, yeah, it was a lot of little steps, right? Mm-hmm. Everything from, um, I think our, our, our first attempt at kind of loving the up underclassmen was when we were sophomores and yeah. we invited all the freshmen over to one of our friends' apartments and we cooked a uh, tonkatsu for them, like pork cutlet. Ooh, like we made good. it from scratch. We like bought the pork loin. We like smashed everything. We put the, crumbs, the panko yeah. and stuff like that on it. And, and, and fried it and almost burned the house down. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was really fun to, just doing it together. And we had a good time, played some board games together afterward. Yeah. And so it started with simple things like that to mm-hmm. later on taking more responsibility on um, teaching course one mm-hmm. to underclassmen. So yeah. course one is our, our, our course on gospel foundations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like what is the gospel? And, and, and through that, then me being challenged to really articulate my faith and, mm-hmm. and, and, and being trained up, like we would go to these training sessions where we would get drilled and, and make sure we know how to explain the right concepts and things yeah. like that. Right. And then, um, you know, I was involved in the first iteration of inner high, mm-hmm. um, inner high, uh, is now a, a youth ministry that our church has where we go to a kind of un- underserved churches and, and, and provide a youth group for them. Mm-hmm. But back then it was sort of what, what AYM is now. And a- mm. AYM is sort of area youth ministry kind of gathering uh, youth from a, a particular, p- particular area and, 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 
putting on events for them to excite them and train them and things like that. And so, yeah. um, in our high started my junior year of college and I was part of the first wave of mentors for that. Wow. So just kind of saying yes to different opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then, and then a big one, which, um, uh, you know, is impactful for a lot of people was going on mission trips. So mm-hmm. I went on, um, I went on three different mission trips. Yeah. Um, by the time I uh, graduated from uh, grad school and those were super formative. Yeah. Kind of this experience of going all in 24 hours a day, Mm-hmm. doing ministry for 10 days straight yeah and in my case i went to cambodia three times mm-hmm. um uh, during that span and, and just experiencing how hard that was and yet how joyful i was mm-hmm. and and this experience of feeling like wow this is what i'm actually meant to do mm-hmm. like when i live for god and when i share the gospel with people even if i feel super inadequate even if i don't have a lot of results mm-hmm. like i just feel so joyful doing it yeah and doing it with other people who are also going all in for it yeah i think that for the first time gave me a picture of like well what if i did this for the rest of my life mm, so yeah. um, i think that's where some of those ideas were planted yeah yeah that's really awesome that's really cool and it's awesome to get the opportunity to do something like that in college um like with your summers or like your spring breaks so you said you mentioned you went to cambodia did you ever do like any domestic trips um as well to other campuses in the, in the u.s i did um so i i think um I, when was it? Oh, yeah. So it was Riverside. Uh, so I mentioned Pastor Steve. Wow. Like he went to Riverside. Yeah. So, uh, so we sent domestic uh, mission trips there mm. as well to um, help uh, reach out to the campus flyer. Uh, you know, talk to students, put on like a skit and things like that. So I, I went twice, I believe, to Riverside when I was an undergrad wow. to help out with uh, outreach efforts there. And that that was nice because um, you know, I'll be back in Southern California because I'm from there. Yeah. Um, for the breaks and you know, and then I, it would just be like a 30 minute drive for me to go yeah. and and do the mission trip and then come back home for the rest of the break or, and things like that. So that, that was also a kind of, um, I, I think maybe that was the experience of doing college ministry mm-hmm. kind of on like a, almost like a full-time basis yeah. you know, for, for, for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and, and kind of finding the similar experience of, of, of joy and like, wow, like this is so awesome when mm-hmm. a bunch of us kind of are, are joined in on this effort together Yeah, and, and kind of falling in love with that. Yeah. That's cool. It really came around full circle there too with, Pastor Steve being with you till junior year yeah, yeah, and going yeah. out and you getting to serve yeah. on his campus. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Thanks, DPI. It's, it's really cool to hear, like, again, this pretty, like, steady theme uh, across your life, it seems, of taking small steps, um, which, which uh, in the, with the amalgamation of all those steps kind of brought you to, to where you are today. I was curious as well to know a little bit more about a particular thing I found really interesting, personally, about our church when I first came when I first came to our church, I was really struck by how many older, like young adults there were. Because um, from my knowledge, people who you know went to church in college, everyone just kind of spread out when they were done, just kind of went wherever their jobs took them. But I noticed a lot of people actually stuck around in our church to continue to do college ministry. And I can imagine a lot goes into that, like, because I mean, if you're deciding to do that, like, for example, that probably limits like where you can live, like where you can work. So I was wondering, like, yeah, what? that decision was like for you to to stay in our church and what some commitments you had to make um, for that to become a reality. Yeah, I think, I think for me, um, there, the de- decision to stay right after college was actually no drama because mm. I was doing a, a, a master's degree right afterwards. So yeah. I was in one of these fifth year master's degree programs. So um, it was a very practical decision. Like, okay, here I am. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 I partially I did that because I, I did want to stay around at our church. I mm-hmm. you know it was the church that uh, I got saved in. Mm-hmm. I, I cherished the the older ones. I, I cherished my friends. A lot of them were staying around. We were in the Bay Area. There's a lot of jobs yeah. in the area, and so um, I think it was a natural decision for a lot of people to to stay around. Um, but I think. After grad school, I had to make that decision again. Yeah. Right after grad school. Um, and But I think by that time, I had done a year of ministry. I joined on to college ministry staff. Mm-hmm. I experienced the crazy schedule of, of <laughs> doing uh, grad school, uh, working as a GSI, uh, which is a graduate student instructor, and then doing college ministry and just getting very little sleep, but, <laughs> but still overall really enjoying my experience of it. Yeah. And uh, I think by that time, I, I wanted to do it. I wanted to keep doing it. And so, you know, I was able to find a job at Levi's, like I mentioned, in SF. And so that enabled me to stay around uh, yeah. for another year. So Yeah, that's really awesome. And swinging back full circle, that leading into co-vocational ministry and then coming here to Chicago to be a full-time minister. Yep. 
yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really neat. Well, DP, thanks a lot for sharing your story. Um, it's really cool to learn a little bit more about your background and what went into um, these like big decisions that happened in your life. I think like we saw and examined together, the constant theme was making a lot of small decisions um, to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And thus it made those bigger decisions seem a lot less uh, of a drama than they would be for like an average person. So, yeah. Nice. Thanks, Toph. That's a, that's a good summary. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good summary of my story right there. Yeah, it's good. And, yeah. uh, and one of these days we'll have to interview you. Oh for, uh, yeah. For your story for as my well. story. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah that'll be fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thank you. Um, anything you want to leave the people off with um, before we go? Yeah, I mean, just to go off that theme, yeah. you know, that I, I, I like how you summarized it. Yeah, because, you know, I, I didn't appreciate it uh, until you said it that way. But I think the small steps you take now um, matter a lot, mm-hmm. right? So it's not it's not about, oh, like, what am I going to, like, what huge thing can I do? Like, right. no, what's the thing that God's putting in front of you right now? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what's that area of obedience? What what What's the area that Jesus needs to be Lord where he's not Lord? Mm. Allow him to lead you in that struggle. Yeah. Allow him to wrestle with you in that area. Mm. And uh, and let let Jesus win. Yeah. And, uh, and and when you do that, and you just do that over and over and over again, mm. like when you look back, like 10, 15 years, like you'll realize, wow, like God has led me, mm. right? And, and it's been really good. So yeah. I'm, I'm really hoping that that can be everyone's experience. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Let Jesus win. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks DP. Though.